Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. We talk about how writing works, how writers work, and how the best writers risk being strange. And I've got some writers and artists in here with me today and some fellow collaborators on our new and current Kickstarter happening now. Go to deadwork.ca and check out Dead Work, an anthology of comics by your favorite indie creators uh, being these guys here. So uh, let me just have everyone introduce themselves uh, and say a little bit about who you are. Let's start with you, Zach. Uh, I'm Zach Schuster, uh, ZM Schuster Online. I've been working on some comics for this book and other books, uh, like Thread is my big comic that I did a full-length one, and there's a new little Thread story in this book, which I'm excited about. Um, but yeah, Thread and is a little Norse mythology adventure, and I've got some D&D kind of inspired little stories, character origins of interesting characters. And uh, yeah, that's what I put in the book, and I'm really excited how it's all shaping up. Steve, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and talk about some of the stuff that you're working on, you've worked on in the Did Work Anthology. My name is Steven. Uh, I'm a I'm a comic illustrator, and I've got a few stories in here. I think I'm, I think I'm about 36 pages in here, and I'm pretty proud of every single one of them. Um, I've done most of my work with Lyndon Richenko, who I'm sure you'll hear from shortly. Um, and I just love drawing comics, and love some of the stuff i've seen in here it, it, it's, it's so cool and and i don't know looking at the story if you could order which ones i did first versus which ones i did last and i just i love seeing my own progression through my pages so i think dead work is a is a really good representation of my progression as an artist in, in the in the era that these stories come from so. And uh, you already mentioned Lena Redchenka. So, Lena, why don't you talk a little bit about your contributions to Dead Work, which uh, are a bit more diverse, uh, given that you're both a writer and a letterer for a lot of these projects. Hello, this is Lyndon. Again, the phantom that haunts this podcast, it feels like, most weeks. Um, I am a writer and a letterer. I wrote uh, one, three stories in this uh, in this collection and lettered about half of them. Uh, so I got to work with everyone, I think, except for Justin Curry, because he worked with Gregory Kamichuk. Um, but yes, I got to work with Steven on a number of projects and I got to work, uh, with Zach on one as the writer and a, a hand or a couple more as the letterer. And then of course with you, Jonathan, I did some, some lettering for your projects too. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about a couple of those real specifically. Uh, so I want to talk maybe first with you, Stephen, a little bit about our project that we did together, uh, Dirk Dirksen versus the Demons from Mars, because this is something I'm pretty excited to have in here um, uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is just that uh, it's the start. It's it's a short, self-contained story, so it's you know like an eight-page uh, complete uh, short comic. Uh, that we kind of, you know, I, but it's an idea that I've had kicking around for a long, long time, you know, and have, you know, some, we, we've got some kind of bigger plans for it, you know, where, where, you know, when you're done some of the stuff that you're doing now, we're going to expand that into a full issue and, you know, try to do some, uh, get a series kind of going with it. So, uh, you know, did work uh, in that kind of comic ended work uh, to me is pretty special because it's something a little 
more different than what I normally do. Like it's got a bit more of that comedy in it that I'm really known for. Uh, and uh, but like it's also got, I think, some really great work by you on there. Um, you know, so S- Stephen did all the art, of course, but it also kind of have brought him on as a co-creator and co-conspirator for the uh, the series. So we're kind of taking it forward and kind of developing it off of you know kind of my original concept a bit you know it's the first project i did that wasn't with linden and i'm just excited about like the world that's being built with it like the eight pages you get a you get an idea of the characters and and the the villain the villainous air about the background and uh you know their backgrounds of the characters however uh just through conversations jonathan and i've had like the the fun we're going to have progressing that story and building that world. I I think it's about to get like really weird and really funny. And I'm just glad it gets to go to print, you know, even in its short form right now. Um, It, it, and I, you know, I'm really, I really love the art in it. It's, it's it's exciting. It's cool. Yeah. There's just something about print for me anyway. Maybe I'm just an old man at this point, but like, I mean, if you kickstart, dead work you can get a digital issue of course but you know where what we're really trying to do is print a physical issue you know that's kind of the ask uh, right is for printing costs uh, and for me like just something magic about having a print version of the thing you know like i've had the digital one sitting around on my hard drive for a while now um but there's just something about printing it that just feels better and different and special and i just you know, I'm just really excited to see your colors pop, especially too, because I, I think you did some really um, interesting line work on it, uh, especially coming off of the stuff you did with linen, which, uh, you know, I still like that stuff, obviously, or I wouldn't have wanted to work with you, but it just has a different vibe, you know? So like, like you were saying, like, I could really see like the difference um, kind of from some of your, you know, as you kind of go throughout your progression as an artist there. I would agree. I was, uh, yeah. Directors came off so well, and the the colors. I was so I felt very consistent with the colors, and I learned a lot about coloring at that point. And um, it, it's going to flourish into a great book, which um, we're finishing very shortly, actually, which is really cool. Did you do any work with? I'm trying to remember if you worked with Lyndon or Stephen on the book. I want to say you worked with Lyndon. Did you work with Stephen inside uh, the book, though? Technically, yeah. I colored one of their... It's a funny story. Um, I colored one of their pitches, like, the day before it was due. They were... He was still... <laughs> Stephen was still drawing stuff for the pitches. He was drawing pages. Lyndon was lettering them as we went, and I was coloring the pages. And we all kind of worked together in, like, a last-minute panic to get it done in time. It, for the, it was uh, so submission. fun. We were also like, four in the fun. morning. It was, I think it was like three or four, and, yeah. yeah. It reminded yeah, me a lot and of it was, my college days, for sure. We all did that a lot for projects, and I got a little taste of that with these guys again. <laughs> it was it was just great, too, because we weren't even on voice. It was like, I'd finish a page, I'd be like, page page three's up, Lennon's like, lettering's done, and then Zach's like, I'm still flattened page five. It was so great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a ton the of long, fun. The long-form version of this story is that... Um, Jonathan, I know you spoke to Chris recently about the comic Hadle that you two did together for the Platform Comics um, contest, which the rules are that you're given a topic and you have to create a, a you know, four to eight page comic within the span of a week based on that topic. And Stephen and I like to do this 
this challenge for this is our second year that we were trying it. And um, while you were working with Chris, Stephen and I were working on this piece. And um, for whatever reason, we were worried that we weren't going to hit the deadline on time. And so we like speak to that. Uh, I normally book that week off to do platform. And I completely forgot to book the time off. So it was like, well, we'll see if I can get it done. <laughs> and Sorry, I remember we, no, no, it's good. And I remember we like, I don't want to say we like forcibly pulled Zach in, but I, I'm sure he did more than he wanted to do to help us <laughs> get this comic. To if the I remember right, line. I was in the middle of my own big deadline and I was already up till two when I got asked or one in the morning, early in the morning one day. And, and Linda was like, Zach, we need you to color this. It's due in two days and we're not going to make it otherwise. And I was already up late for my own thing after working way too many hours, juggling all my different jobs. And I went, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and it's it no good. joke. Like the, I think the deadline for to get the pages in was at like 11 a.m. on a Thursday or something. And we were up until like 4 a.m. that Thursday morning, Wednesday night. Like four or four thirty, trying to get <laughs> everything nights. done. Yeah, um, because yeah, no one yeah. wanted to wake up early to to do the work. We all just were like, we're, we were going to power through the night to finish it, so we didn't have yeah. to worry about squeaking it in at ten fifty five in the morning. Yeah, um, so yeah that, we didn't have we to like this. wake up rushed. That's for sure. So no, it yeah, looked really good. I'm really happy with what we pulled off. Uh, it all turned yeah. out really well, considering. You know, one thing that always strikes me about you know, kind of this project uh what i think is kind of interesting about it and how it has kind of developed you know pretty organically over the you know the last kind of little while is um although we didn't like have this project in our heads five years ago or anything i think there's like a almost like a weird sort of organic way in which we've all kind of been separately sort of building towards a project like this because so much of what how this kind of group here has the, like this did work collective we you know we call the kind of loose group of collaborators that are often working on one another's stuff you know so much of like how that kind of community or that kind of group develops in a kind of an art community is just people who are just doing things all the time and just willing to kind of just do it you know, they're, they're good, they've got their skills, they've honed them, and now they have kind of this readiness, you know, and they can kind of just pop in and do things. And there's like a readiness and a willingness uh, that I think is, you know, pretty, uh, I think most people are pretty good about, uh, you know, like, uh, I just find like, that is the thing I think that often separates people. Uh, people and it's hard for me to explain it when i'm kind of teaching classes like i'll teach writing classes right or people ask me like like how they break into you know this industry or that industry or whatever and it's kind of a hard thing to answer because so much of it is like so much of it is about not actually trying to break into the industry you know but actually it's just you're just doing things because you want to do them and you have a a willingness to do them even when maybe you shouldn't you know, you should just go back to sleep. <laughs> but instead, you're going to get up and just do ink this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, you know, for an example, Zach, you and I have, seem to have this like, um, like parachuting in 
relationships when it comes to last minute comic deadlines <laughs> yeah. where if you need, you know, lettering done, uh, you just like, Hey, can you do this? And it's just sort of this assumed thing. It feels like with, and I, I want to say this ex- extends to a lot of our group is this idea that um, like you, you help one another out when you need it because you know that they're going to help you out too when you need it. And like um, we were talking about the story of uh, me helping Lyndon and, and Steven there uh, a couple months ago to make that anthology pitch happen. Last week, I had a deadline coming up, and I'm like, I'm not going to get this lettered in time. It's due tomorrow. Lyndon, please help. And he rattled off some lettered pages, and they really appreciated the save. And so it's nice to know that, yeah, I uh, have a team of people who can help out last minute when I mismanage my time. <laughs> And I really think that that relationship, like I said, is mutual amongst so many of us. And I think that is, like you said, Jonathan, one of those those things that just sort of happens organically when you're doing things. I think it can. I think it's it's certainly, um, yeah, like there's an organic quality to it, I think is a good way to put it, like you say. Like, it just kind of happens organically when you're doing things. And that doesn't mean that you're always, like, available to do something. but. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not available, you might have the willingness. You know what I mean? Like, like if I right now called Gregory and said I need this thing by tomorrow, like he might tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> That's not enough time, <laughs> but he would want to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a there's a level at which like you kind of have to want to do this thing. In a, it's hard to explain sometimes to talk when you talk to people who like. I'm, I don't know if you guys get this, like people come up to you at a in a booth or something. I get it, like people come up to me like after a talk or in a class or something, and like they say they want to do a thing, but they really don't. Um, I've got a story can... in that vein. Um, I was at a con with my friend Peter Shakowski years ago, and a guy came up and said, "How do I draw like you?" And Peter was like, "Oh, we'll ask my art friend who does art more serious than I do at the time." Um, and this guy goes, okay, what do I do? I want to draw like you. I want to make comics. I'll do whatever it takes. What, what what do I do? And I said, well, just like practice every day, like 10 minutes, find 10 minutes every day and draw something. I tried to undersell it because it's way more work than that. There's way more that goes into it. But I went, mm-hmm. you know what? if you started doing that, you'd be off to a great start. And the guy goes, oh, I could never do that. And he walked away. And it was like comical. It felt like I was in like a cartoon. It was just like, oh, okay, I lied it's harder than that but if you can't handle doodling for 10 minutes most days then yeah no you don't you don't got what it takes that yeah and i think it ask. sounds weird or harsh when people say that but i don't mean it like you know only some people have what it takes i mean it but it it, it kind of is that way on a level but what i mean more is like some people have the perception that is harder than it is and those people kind of need to hear the kind of thing you're saying like they need to hear like Yes, it is hard, as hard as you think, <laughs> to you know make go of it as an artist. Yes, it is a difficult, competitive, tough industry, but there is actually a base level where it's not that hard. You just have to be doing it. You can yeah. just pick up and start doing it. And if you just pick up and start doing it, and if you just keep doing it, which isn't an easy thing, it's very it's so easy to quit that one of the hardest things is just not quitting. But only you can quit, you know, <laughs> like nobody can fire you. Uh, like nobody can tell Steven, you know, that you're not allowed to draw anymore. Right? Uh, teachers tried right. back in uh, grade school. Stop drawing in the margins of your stuff. And we didn't listen then, so. 
<laughs> yeah, like in a, in a weird way, the hardest thing I think I think like arts is an industry where it's actually easier than it seems on one level, but then it's also harder than it seems. And there's like a class of people who are just confused and they need to they they, they need like the encouragement because they do have what it takes and they do have the drive. They're just confused. They think it's harder than it is. And they well, are kind of down on it themselves. But then there's this other group of people who's like, they're looking for a magic bullet. When in some ways the answer is not, there's no magic bullet. You just have to do it. Well, I think there's like three layers, right? There's the want yeah. to do it. And, and there's a lot of people who want to do it. And then there's like the need to do it where like you almost have that drive. But it's, I don't know, I've looked inward and it's like, there's like this third layer that's this unsaid thing where you just do it. Like, like I, I, we talk about that, that, um, laws of nature where, where Zach Lennon and I stayed up till like 3 a.m. and Zach did it at a drop of a hat. And, and like, not only did we not get paid to do that work, but we didn't become a finalist in that anthology and it did not go into that anthology. So like there was literally no tangible reward at the end. We just all were like, we have to do this. Like it just, it just happened. And I think, I think, yeah, like you can, you can listen to people all day say, just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it. All you got to do is work every day. But I think there's this thing. I don't know what it is that just makes you do it every day what once you love it as much as you do you know i yeah. feel like there's it's this weird three level th i think i like your three levels idea but i would kind of alter them slightly like so i think mm -hmm. there's that level of which you know some people there's like a want to do it and a lot of people want to do it like you say um yeah. and like wanting to do it is good but it's not enough and there's like that need to do it uh, level, right? And like needing to do it has its benefits because like you say, it gives you that drive. But there's also this flip bad side of needing to do it, right? Like there's yeah. like the the neediness aspect of needing to do it. And like the sort of, well, if I, like, like this, all the negativity that can draw around that need, you know, and the insecurity that can collect. Well, what if, you know, I won't be able to do it, you know, comes into play. And, yeah. Like, what if no one will allow me to do it? What if nobody likes it? Like, all that stuff starts to yeah. collect around the need because if you need to do it, the barriers then become so uh, much more dangerous and fearsome, right? And I think, like, there's a good and there's a bad to the need. There's, like, a good and a bad to the want. But I think, like, in a weird way, like, it, you, you got to get down to that deeper level where you're just going to do it. Uh, you know? Yeah. Like, you're just going to do it and then, like, whether you want to or whether you need to is sort of starts to become irrelevant at a certain point. It's just that that's what you're doing. And like, yeah, you want to win this platform comics, but if you don't, you'll just be okay. Well, what's next? Uh, what do we do with it now? Maybe we'll, you know, <laughs> uh, send it to this other anthology. Maybe we can make our own anthology. It's, you know, maybe we'll just start another one, you know, like it, it's hard to explain to somebody I, who hasn't done an, a lot of stuff but like, there's a level you hit after you've done enough stuff where it's kind of happy and sad. <laughs> but it like every single thing you do kind of becomes less symbolic of what you do, and it's kind of like becomes a little less precious. And it's like almost like a sad moment because you know it all gets just a little less precious. But I think it's like a necessary and important moment because you know you just you kind of get you realize eventually like oh if that doesn't work I'll just do another one. 
Um, and it and it kind of like, you know, if nobody buys, you know, uh, this comic, I'll just make another comic. And like, I still love that comic. And I, you know, I did it for because I didn't do it to become rich. I didn't do it to make it. I didn't do it because I had a need to be recognized. You got to get past that stuff and be to like, I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to do another one. And then I'm going to do another one, you know. And uh, I think when you get to that point, uh, it's it's a lot of things open up for you. Uh, because there's just is the neediness goes away and people are just more willing to engage with you because you're not you don't have that desperation in your voice anymore you know even though like objectively you might be in dire straits (laughs) you still have like you don't really have like that deep uh you know if they don't recognize you you'll just do something else anyway uh you know it, it, it won't stop you yeah just to bring yeah. it more concretely back to the lo- that that uh, comic you were talking about, though, uh, why don't you talk a bit more about what that comic is, the the Law of Nature one, and sort of how that ties into some of your other projects? Okay, uh, Linda, do you want to take this? Uh, the Law of Nature, sure, um, is a short comic, but it also contains some elements. Um, or exists in the world of another project that we're working on. So while none of the the characters that are in this short have appeared in our other project at this point, um, it's sort of uh, an offshoot or not a spinoff isn't the right word, but it's it's a story that's going on somewhere else. And uh, you'll be able to see sort of those two narratives, the narrative of this short and the narrative of our main story, um, kind of collide or cross over one another later in the main series if we're, if slash when we get to making those issues. Mm-hmm. That, do you have anything to add, Stephen? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll give a quick description of, of like what the story is, too, while oh, we're yeah, at it. Cool. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, we like to... When we write our stories, we like to we really like gray characters and we like the the reader to decide if they're good people or bad people. Um, we find that to be really interesting in this one. There, there really is like a good and an evil, but like how people go about doing what they're doing it, you can interpret how you want, but it's effectively a, a quiet story of a, of a cop out in the desert who is um, following a, a trail of clues um, and it's brought him to this remote tavern um, where he's looking for uh, his next clue in finding this, we'll, we'll say this cabal of, of, of drug trafficking um, in, in his region. And uh, through a few shenanigans and scenarios in that bar, I don't want to reveal too much, uh, but you learn a lot about um, what this cop really is and, and what this bar really is. And, um, uh, I I don't know how much I can reveal, but let's just say it has to do with werewolves and vampires, and uh, and and I don't know how deep to go werewolves into this. And vampires. Yeah, yeah that's all you need to yeah. say. And, 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 it's, and oh, it's werewolves, werewolves and vampires that are very aware of each other's weaknesses. I think that's a good way to put it. And and it makes for a really cool story. And when Lyndon talks about how it laces into our greater narrative of uh, of this book this other book that we're working on i i, I can't wait to get to this part because there's so much like when we designed this story we were like sitting in a park near linden's house like 
jumping up and down on a picnic table and being like, like, oh, and this is what he does here. This is what he does here. And, and like, oh my God, and we could tie this in here. And it would be so cool if this character came in here. And I just love those moments. And I just, I know over this short story and dead work, there's so much that we're going to be able to do. And and you get a real taste of it in this short story. So That is really worth talking about that you guys also did is the Tomorrow's Escape. So one, one of my, I really like personally as a reader, I'm really interested in uh, stories that have unusual narrative structures. Um, and so to me, that story is really interesting. Why don't you talk a little bit about Tomorrow's Escape and kind of how that, what it is and how that came about. Yeah, Tomorrow's uh, Escape is actually another, it was our first platforms entry, platform comics entry that we did. And um, we didn't know what, again, we didn't know what the theme was going to be, but I had, we were, I remember very vividly, we were discussing like, what kind of comics we wanted to make, knowing that we might have to change it when we got our theme whatsoever, um, completely. And I had been watching like prison shows at the time and wanted to do like a, a jailbreak sort of story. And so um, the it was very serendipitous the, the day we got our topic. The sort of general guideline we were given was that we had to tell a story behind the the quote was behind enemy lines. So we turned it into sort of a, a prisoner of war story who is um, trying to escape this camp and getting and repeatedly getting captured. And the narrative structure is this. Um, what, Stephen, what position would you say the the guy interrogating him is? Uh, I would say, you know, I don't know what his military position would be, but like, he's, he would be the big wig in charge of the camp, right? Mm -hmm. He's, uh, he's the one who, you know, paces the camp looking for the weak ones or, or the strong ones and, uh, tries to break them. So, yeah. Yeah. So the narrative structure revolves around this, this conversation that this guy is having with this prisoner who keeps trying to escape um and as they're talking you're seeing flashback episodes of the different sorts of attempts to to get away that have been tried and failed and that's why the story is called tomorrow's escape because it's sort of a never-ending um struggle to 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 get away um but never giving up mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of metaphor in there for what we do uh, in comics, where it's like, it, it, and we were talking about this earlier, where it's, you just keep trying, regardless of what the result is going to be, uh, you just keep trying. Um, and eventually, you know, something good might happen, or you might get the shit beaten out of you. Um, mm-hmm. But it almost doesn't matter as long as, you know, your desire is there and uh, you can... Uh, you can you can try to pull some stuff off it, and it, it's pretty cool and i love this story too like uh i think this is maybe only the second we'll say ip that Lennon and i did together and uh and like i got to again progress myself a little bit more i play with lighting a lot in it and uh, i got to draw a lot of dynamic positions and back then i i i, I wasn't as good or or we'll say or, or had as much knowledge on action and stuff and uh 
And I, I pulled off some some panels that are still some of my favorite panels today. So uh, it's a it's a great little story. Really like you kind of hinted at this earlier, but um, I'm not sure if you were thinking about this at the time when you were writing it, uh, Lennon, or when you guys were co-developing it or not. But it does sort of operate almost like a allegory or a metaphor for you know being a creative person or trying to you know make it in a creative industry you know they're just going to keep beating the shit out of you but you got to (laughs) keep just doing it anyway yeah (laughs) you know even if you're going nowhere Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure that uh that bled into that bled in from real life circumstances on some level i think at the time i was working an office job and really not enjoying it (laughs) So, um, <laughs> making comics has always felt like, uh, you know, another escape. Well, Zach, why don't we tie it up with that sentiment, but also maybe you can come in and talk to us uh, a little bit again about what the Kickstarter is and how people can uh, kick in. Well, Zach, tell us about your comics, too. You're in a bunch of these. <laughs> uh, we can yeah, wrap those up. Yeah, that, too. I, I don't mind. You can- but wrap it up with all the like, do mm-hmm. all that at once, Zach. All right, it's a tall order, <laughs> but I will do my best. Um, like I said earlier, I've got a couple little comics in here. Um, a little thread story, which threads my little Norse uh, comic. Uh, so there's a ten pager in there of thread, and then I've got a bunch of little D and D origin stories of some characters written by friends like Lyndon and my buddy Josh. Um, and they're little four-page stories about D&D characters uh, and their kind of backstories and how they came to be doing what they're doing. And any one of those, I think, that I did could be a jumping-off point for a book of those D&D books. They all feel like cool little characters and worlds that I like to see a glimpse into, but if somebody wanted to throw money at me, I would be very happy to make a full book of any of those characters because they're all very cool. Um, what were their names again? We have... Story? Yeah, so we have Darmid the Barbarian, written by my friend Josh, and I believe he's played that character in D&D. Um, and there's uh, we got uh, John the Gambler, which is Lyndon's character that he played for a while. And then I've got two of my own, uh, Bartholomew the Rogue, um, sorry, the archaeologist. He doesn't see himself as a thief, but he's definitely a thief. Uh, and then Eldred. Uh, Eldred Everflame is like a firebending monk who I played for a year or two with my pals. And she's probably my favorite character I've ever played. And her comic, she she's really cool. She sees voices of past users of this power she has called the Everflame every time she uses her fire powers. And she looks crazy because she's talking to fire as she's shooting it, which is not a good way to look sane. Um, so yeah, fun, interesting characters Wait, with weird not- backstories and... Not to interrupt you, Zach, but I want to talk more about that character because uh, uh, I love that that Eldred Everflame character, uh, and I think that character could, I would buy a, a book of that character, and I would kickstart that character's you know graphic novel. So I'm really I'm not sure if you have a plan for that, but I really would like to see more of that particular character personally. Uh, do you have like plans to expand? You said you mentioned you know, you'd love to do this, you'd love to do that with some of the characters, but do you actually have? Uh, I know you're mainly working on Thread right now, right? Uh, correct. Uh, and a book with. Am Linden, I wrong about that? A book with. Gregory. And a book with Lennon. Yes, right. <laughs> and a board game. That's right. You are doing those two books uh, at <laughs> the same time. Job. Yeah. And my other day job. So you're you're packed full of projects, but yes. uh, if you ever have you know the time for another one, that Eldritch Everflame is one that I'm really interested in. I would in that love character. to. Um, 
currently my plans the reason these little four pages are all in here is because they are dead work until i can find a way to do enough of them if i hit a certain amount of these little four page stories they're just so fun to do i want to find some other guest artists and make some more of these and put a little book of origins and then yeah if some of those characters were more of a hit than others i would be super down to do a book and eldred is again uh i played as her for a couple of years in D D, and i loved every minute of it so be fun to do a book of, of Eldred, and there's just such a cool character hook there with the voices and the... It was a twist on the Avatar state, if anybody's an Avatar fan. Um, he, Aang, before his big battle, goes and consults his past lives to see how he should handle this problem, and I thought, what if all of his past lives were assholes instead of just some of them? <laughs> um, like, one of them's this crazy... Like, for Eldred, one of them's a crazy, like, ex-mage warlord who burnt everybody alive, and one of them's, like, a paladin who is pious and annoying and righteous other one's a crazy barbarian who just loved destruction like and these are the voices instead of like helpful calm sage advice from past monks basically it's crazy people talking to her and saying she's screwing up which i'm sure you can see some real life parallels to or to anxiety of just all these very unhelpful voices telling you just how you're screwing up at the moment um except also while you're shooting fire <laughs> so it's it's a fun take on anxiety basically and i'd love to do more of that is the long answer of saying your yes, art. I'd love to do more. Your art is yeah. also popping in all these. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with how those are shaping up. Um, two tone panel. You're also somebody. Good panel flow. I'm I'm really proud of what I put together for these. You're also somebody who, um, you know, uh, visually you can really see uh, doing a lot of different things in the book. You know. Um, I think, I don't know how you feel about Lennon. Like, for me, I feel like as a writer, it's harder to see what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. it just isn't as visual, obviously. But also, I just think, like, progression as a writer is harder for an audience to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, particularly when you're a writer like me who doesn't really have a style and just sort of moves in and out of doing different types of things. Whereas, like, you guys have really developed distinct styles, and you have a lot of variability and flexibility within their styles, but, you know, I can look and see, like, what's Steven and what's Zach, right? And uh, it's not hard uh, to tell who's who, and I can really see, even just from one piece to the other, a real development. Um, So I think it's really interesting, you know, and then when... What I also, but but just kind of to go back to writing for a second, Zach, I think that you're becoming a much more interesting writer. Uh, as like uh, that's something that what I kind of like noticed when I was looking at Dead Work was like I think like your writing has really improved. Like when I see you kind of, um, you know, either either just as you yourself doing the writing, or even just like from a storytelling perspective with your layouts. It just seems like there's a bit more. Uh, I just can see some real development happening uh, in this particular book once I kind of stacked all that stuff up together and looked at it, you know. Well, thank you. Uh, from one cover to the other, so I'm pretty interested. Uh, so to me, like the best reason to get, uh, you know, dead work if I was going to pitch it to somebody who, you know, doesn't know any of us, right? Is I think like you not only do you get introduced to some really interesting people doing these interesting things, but you're getting a sense of how they're really developing across uh, a book and like across a number of projects, you know, cause it's not just one thing that was ha- on display here, right? There's a bunch of different projects, a bunch of different people collaborating in different ways. And because they're working with different people, you really do get to see how they adapt 
and how they kind of um, are, you know, growing uh, as these collaborations are uh, growing uh, and developing themselves. Yeah, I definitely agree. I can see the progression with everybody. Like if you look at even Chris's work, um, it's just cool to see the progression of his crazy monsters and weird design. They're getting weirder every time and I don't want that <laughs> to stop. <laughs> I love his stuff. And and yeah, to go back to what you said, Jonathan, as it, when it comes to writing, I think one of the, I, I agree with you. I think it's harder to, to watch or to, to keep track of your own progress. And I think, a, uh, a significant part of that is because when it comes to comics, like the the art style is so important that you find yourself as a writer, you know, writing to match that style. Like you're not, um, you don't have your own, like your your growth as a writer is also tied to the the artist that you're working with because you're trying to make the writing be a like a cohesive whole with the art that, that you know it's going to be paired with yeah i think that often changes when writers become celebrities and what they'll start doing is like as the writer becomes a bigger and bigger deal in the industry mm. what they'll start to emphasize the writer and they'll start to match them up in with just whoever's open yeah uh, and they'll they'll put less thought into the art pairings i find you know kind of as a so weirdly, I think writers, like as their career develops in comic, they often get worse. Not because they're becoming worse writers, but because the pairings are getting worse and they're beginning more forced into pairings a lot of the time. Uh, so to me, like what's most exciting uh, about finding a new writer or a new artist is finding them kind of earlier in their career where they're they they've they've figured out how to do things well, <laughs> you know, but they're like they're polished and they're. Uh, professional uh, in the work they're putting out, but they still they're but they're kind of in the stage where the writer needs the artist more than the r- artist needs the writer, uh, and therefore they have to do what you're saying, Lennon. The writer actually has to develop uh, and adapt to the situation of the collaboration a bit more. Um, and so I find like you know the writing that I find most exciting is the writing you get in a book like did work where you've got people who are pros, but you know, aren't like, you know, pulling a million dollars out of Marvel every week. Yeah. Uh, And therefore they have to really uh, collaborate and they, they, neither of them has like the um, clout to knock the other one down. You know what I mean? Yeah. You actually have to work together. Yeah, and you know, of course, uh, we you know, thankfully, like working together as a sort of collective <laughs> enough that we keep doing it, and now we got a book. So, Zach, what else do we need to know about the Dead Work Kickstarter? Uh, just that it can be found at deadwork.ca. Uh, you can follow along with more details than we can describe with our time left today. Um, but yeah, lots of cool collabs between a bunch of really cool people, and we made weird cool little worlds for you to peer into and i'm really proud of every single comic in the book and thank you to everyone who has backed us so oh far my God, yes we cannot thank you enough um i'm i know by the time this airs there will be hopefully a handful of more people who have backed it so to all of you in the future that are now hearing this thank you for for backing us so much we can't do this uh, we can't make we can't print this book without your help yeah, Thanks it's so going to be such a cool book. 
I actually, I'm the only one with really the proof of it so far, and I got the satisfaction of flipping through all these pages that are now a tangible thing, and I can't wait for everybody else to get that too, but oh, it's a good feeling. It's the best feeling. It's why oh, we man. do what we do. <laughs> oh man, that's so cool. Sorry to rub it in farther. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks uh, yeah. so much for talking to me, guys. Uh, thank you for listening, and thanks for going to deadwork.ca, checking out the Kickstarter, and keep writing the wrong way. <laughs>